Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses worth your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Welcome back, prom party. Hello. We are no longer in spooky season, but we are doing lots of fun things today. Things that aren't spooky in the slightest. No, not at all. <laughs> Though the credits did say there were spooky graphics. I don't know what spooky graphics there were. In I, I wasn't sure what that meant, but someone got paid to do them. So congratulations to them. Congrats on their spooky graphics. <laughs> Friends, we are joined today by a guest, and it is someone that I adore and want to live inside the brain of, which is fun and exciting. She is a filmmaker, a writer, a brilliant mind, a world traveler. Today's guest is Nase DeSanders. Hi, Nase. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks. (laughs) This is so fun that you're joining us for this, because not only did like we watch this movie for the first time... For this episode, but we watched it like, I don't know, 30 minutes ago we wrapped it up and we watched it with you because you've been staying with us for a week. Very fresh in our minds. And so like, this is a very different experience than the normal stuff we do. <laughs> yeah, Nase, I think you are one, no, you're not the first because we did watch The House Bunny with Cassie. So you are our second guest where we've actually watched the movie with the person we're talking about it with. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, Nase is an amazing director currently working on a film called Hello Sickness. Um, I will put links in the show notes so y'all can help support, which you better. Um, Nase is just the bomb.com and is shooting from South Africa because bad bitch doing bad bitch things. You know how it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nase, what movie did you recommend for us? The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. I had never seen this one before, and I'm very excited for us to talk about it. But honestly, I'm curious. There's a plethora of teen movies to choose from. Why was this the one that you chose? Uh, Well, I thought about it a lot, and I've seen a lot of teen girl movies. I feel like all girls have. And I just wanted to make sure that I was bringing one that I could, you know, make proper commentary on. And so The Girl Who Left Through Time was one of my absolute favorite movies in high school. And then after high school, I moved to Japan to live there for five years. So I feel like I'm also kind of bringing the cultural perspective to the film as well. So yeah, I thought it was one I could say some good things on. Yeah, normally this is like, we'd be entering into a part of like context. But I don't know if like North American context is necessary. And we're going to get probably way more interesting things talking about like, your experiences with this film and why you really, really wanted to talk about it. Then, so that 
Like, fuck our normal format. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely fuck the format. So, Naste, for anyone who has not seen this movie, because we do have a lot of listeners who just like to hear us talk and don't actually see the movies. So, what is The Girl Who Leapt Through Time about if you had to describe it to someone? The Girl Who Leapt Through Time is about a girl in high school in Japan, obviously, who... Just going about her day to day. She's stupid, clumsy, but like so lovable. <laughs> and one day she stumbles upon advice that allows her to time leap. So she leaps back in time doing just a bunch of dumb teen girl things. Nothing big, nothing important, just like just making dumb decisions, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> if something embarrassing happens at school, guess what? It didn't happen anymore. And that is the spoiler free log line for it that's that's good i, I like that, that we're not in like coming in with any spoilers though we're definitely going to talk about a lot of spoilers oh, yeah, that's obviously true. <laughs> but like th- that's just the nature of like how you discuss a film in depth so like that's tight but i i do love that she has the most like vapid teen girl uses for traveling through time absolutely rather than like important things to the point where it's like oh i'm glad this didn't fall into the hand of someone evil and it fell into the hands of an idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that being a line in the movie yeah, and I think that it's also very realistic in that way. A lot of times, especially with like Western uses of time travel, a lot of teen tra- time travel movies have to do with something like really humongous, like Back to the Future is going, it's going to change the course of everything, or like See You Yesterday, like we're preventing like very serious trauma that's happening over and over again. And in this one, it's it's very much average issues that could butterfly effect into something terrible for sure but every decision that she makes uh initially to prevent with her time traveling is all just very standard minutiae and that's really really enjoyable absolutely i think it's what yeah like you said it's definitely more realistic that way because i think we all like to think that if we were given these powers we're going to do like the most amazing stuff with it and save the world but realistically a 17-year-old girl is going to do some dumb shit. She's in high school. Like, Yeah, like, this is. I don't think that there's a lot of 17-year-olds who would be like, oh my god, I have to go back and stop 9-11. <laughs> like, I don't think that would happen. And also, kids today who are 17 weren't alive when 9-11 was a thing. So that's that true. also part of it. But I, I do love that there is this very specific... Um, I guess lack of self-awareness that she has where it's like, hey, maybe your actions have bearing on other people's lives. And she's like, no, it's fine. Until she starts to see like, oh, crap, I actually have changed things for the worse. It's like your early 20s when you start to like really fully understand that your actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. And for sure, teenagers just have no concept of that yet. No understanding of how their words, their actions affect others. So for that to be such like a major lesson in the story, I thought was also very important. Because I mean, it is anime. So especially anime that comes from, it's all coming from Japan, that comes from Japan and then is like landing in the US. I feel like it's usually marketed towards a younger demographic, not so much adults as much. So especially for me as a teenager seeing that, do I think... From this film, I learned that my actions had consequences. No, but it could have taught me that, and that's something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's... uh, When we talk about teen movies, like, I don't think that anybody watches a teen movie as a teenager and then is like, well, I have to change all of the decisions that I've ever made. Like, I don't think that that's how that works. 
I do think that there are little seeds that are planted in our brains subconsciously that we might not realize is stemming from that movie, maybe until much later in life or maybe not at all. And that's part of the fun of the show is analyzing all of those, all of those seeds and all of those roots. Mm-hmm. Um, so how old were you? Do you, if you had to guess, were you when you saw this movie for the first time? That is a great question. Maybe like 15-ish around there. I remember I got it off Netflix back when Netflix would mail you DVDs. So that is oh, how I okay. saw this movie. <laughs> We're going classic yeah. is what the kids call it. Or vintage, which makes me want to throw up. Retro. Oh my gosh, stop. Retro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can definitely see why this would be very relatable. And I also find it very interesting because when we talk about teen movies or coming of age movies that are anime in America, it's almost exclusively Miyazaki films that people talk Mm -hmm. about. And this is not a Miyazaki film. Um, This is from the same director who, as we found out, directed, according to Harmony, I will trust her judgment on this, the good segment of Digimon, the first movie. Um, Yes, it is the second segment and it's still really hype and it features most of the really awesome pop punk and ska soundtrack in that one in particular. So like, yes, the best segment. And it's really obvious for um, the Digimon movie's interpretation of the internet because it looks really similar to what time leaping looks like in this movie. Okay, okay. That makes a lot of sense. This, yeah, this one came after Digimon, the first movie, but this is kind of what established this director's vision and kind of style moving forward. Um, so is this a movie that you sought out because you were like, oh, this sounds great. I mean, obviously you had to have it mailed to you. Or was it just like, hi, I'm a teenage weeb and I just need to get my hands on all the anime? Um, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So let's dive in and let's talk about our main character, our our teen girl. So Nase, how do you feel about our main character? So I absolutely love Makoto. She was very much the kind of girl I I think I wish I was as a teenage girl. Like she's got these two super cool friends. They get to do sporty stuff. I was very not sporty. I'm still very not sporty. <laughs> And just a very much an embodiment of cool and I don't care what anyone else is saying. She's got her two friends. She has no idea what anyone else in the school is doing. It is truly just the three of them. And they have a really great dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, yeah, she has a boy's name. I've never met a girl named Makoto before. That is definitely a boy's name. So it kind of really brings it home. It's this full little perfect tomboy package. Oh, yeah. she's She's very sporty in that way. And... I, I do love how, like, they're not remotely trying to be cool or they're not trying to make new friends. They're not really trying exactly. to date. They're just kind of like, oh, no, we're just drifting through our day. We go to school and we play baseball and that's that's it. Like, they're so nonchalant. Yeah. And I also think that's something we don't see very often when it comes to, like, the the anime that's consumed by mass Western audiences. We don't get a lot of these teen characters that are sort of just drifting or are, like just average like there's usually something exceptional or something supernatural or what have you this is like a very nice slice of life and the the elements that make it you know science fiction and fantasy are not about like them as like an individual it's like the circumstances that they're impacted by which i think is really interesting i think the science fiction is almost 
secondary in this movie. It's like Definitely. not really addressed. Like there, you don't hear anything about like the utopian or I guess dystopian, depending on your opinion of it, future or really like the mechanics of how like the time traveling chestnut works. It's just kind of like, oh no, there's just a thing. And then that's it. And we move on. We're off to the races. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely more about the relationship between the three, which I think is also something that really appealed to me as a teenager because I was watching all the animes. And yeah, there is a lot of that high concept going off to save 12 different dimensions. So to really scale it back and to be something... I don't want to say that could happen in your real life because it obviously can't, but you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Where like, as a teenage girl, you can imagine this happening to you and you being whisked off on this like much smaller scale adventure, I think was something that really appealed to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something else that I really like is that it almost feels like the science fiction and like the time travel elements. That's just the vehicle to tell this story about like how your actions have consequences and the, uh, I guess the butterfly effect that happens based off of the things that we do and the things that we say and not just that, but also how we react to the things that happen to us around us and using the time travel, you know, you get to have do overs, which is a thing that I think, everyone at some point in their life thinks about like, oh, if I only could have done this or if I could have said this differently or I'm definitely that person who like something will happen to me and then an hour later I'm in the shower and I'm like, oh, I should have said this at the time. What was I thinking? Or like, that's a way better comeback. Um, and this is a movie that allows you to kind of explore those possibilities, which that's like, a, I think, a very nice teen fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of do-overs, like, I know we skipped over the context, and I'm not maybe the biggest anime fan. Like, when people say, like, do you watch anime? I go, well, I used to. Not not so much these days. I don't watch a lot of, much of anything these days. That is my <laughs> like, response as well. Yeah, like, I, I watch movies. I, I like anime movies more than I like TV. This is just more my speed. But I think about, like, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s, and there was this weird trend that you saw where you had time travel as like a major element in things like um, the melancholy of Haru Haruhi Suzumiya or uh, Madoka Magica and this, which were all coming out kind of in the same window. And I wonder why that was a thing. Yeah, that is a great point. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, me either. You don't know anything about what I, don't I just know said. know shit about shit. <laughs> there's girls and there's time travel and it's great. That's cool. My one, one of those is really gay. My knowledge <laughs> is like Miyazaki films and Sailor Moon. I'm the whitest of white people when it comes to anime. <laughs> like that's all I got. Um, so, you know, we have we have our teen girl and then she's also got these like really, really cool friends. So what do we feel about these friends? Like these boys? They are ideal. Deal. That is the most unrealistic part of this movie, that she's got the two coolest friends who are both literally perfect. They care about <laughs> her and her feelings. They wait for her when she has to clean up after school. Like, that was not my experience in high school at all. It was, like, very much the, um, like, stuff where you and, like, one other friend will, like, call each other first, and then one will go on mute, and then you'll add in the third friend and act like the one on mute isn't there so you can hear the other friend talk shit about you. Like, it was, like, that kind of shit for oh, me yeah. in middle school and high school where it was, like, everyone's your friend, but nobody's your friend. And then we have this, like, wonderful portrayal of a genuine friendship. There is no cattiness. There is no meanness. There's no jealousy. I mean, there's a little bit of jealousy with the grades at one point, <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, I don't want to say there's no conflict, because obviously it's a film, there is conflict, but there's no, um, like, drama, I want to say, between them. Yeah, there's no, like, big blow-up friend breakup that usually would happen in a movie like this. Yeah. Like, that doesn't exist, which is really cool. And 
I love that. I mean, th- there is a little bit of the romance element, but for the most part, they are all so respectful of each other's boundaries. Oh, yeah. Which is another thing that I think like the West really sucks at with movies like this, where if you do have a friend group and two of the friends like each other, like you know that within like 35 seconds, and then that becomes the entire conflict. And this movie does not do that. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice change of pace. I love that. Yeah, it also equates the romantic love and the platonic love as being equal. So she loves both of these boys so much, and they love her. And yes, there is a bit of the romance between her and Chiaki, but that's, like you said, it's not like the whole thing of the story. It's really about how much they all love each other, both in that sometimes romantic, but mostly platonic way. Yeah, and I think as far as them all interacting with each other goes, I really love how a, a central growing point that they have is just communicating with each other. Because it's either like, oh, you said something and I don't like it. Or like, oh, you're not communicating your feelings well and that's a problem and we need to fix this. Or like there's there's a whole mess of either saying the wrong thing or not wanting someone to say something or wanting someone to. And by the end, I feel like it's like a lot more of them being open about what they actually want to say to each other. And that creates a better friend environment for everyone. Definitely. Yeah, I I really like the way... That we get to see not just the relationships of the three of them all together, but we also get to see their individual friendships. Like, we get to see her with, like, Chiaki and, like, what is that dynamic that, like, what does that look like? And then we also have Chiaki and I'm going to butcher his name. What is the other friend's? Kosuke. Kosuke. So Chiaki and Kosuke, we get to see their relationship. And then we also, like, we get to see how all of the different sides of this, like, friend triangle exist with one another. And I like that the like each of those links is given the same amount of gravity as all of them together. Yeah. So let's let's dive in a little bit to the, the time leaping that we've got going on here and the the reasons behind it. So when she discovers that she can time leap, um, it is during like a very traumatic experience. <laughs> like she's a She's about to die. She's about to be hit by a train. This movie has multiple people being hit by trains. I can relate in my real life. Ow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep joke that nobody's going to get unless they're a longtime listener. If you're a longtime listener, uh, you know what that means. Go listen to our Casper episode. There you go. It's in that one. Um, but yeah, so she, she's about to be hit by a train and then magically is not hit by a train because she time leaves. And the question that I have is like, how does, like, what was, like, the power of the time-leaping universe was, like, no, 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 you can't die? Or how does this first leap happen? I think it's because she was propelled, and she was literally, like, she didn't leap, but she was flung in a manner close enough to leaping. Okay, okay, that yeah. tracks. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. what I think. That makes more sense to me. Thank you. My brain... You're welcome. My brain processed this now. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. So, the first time she time-leaps, uh, it's to save her own life, um, which I feel like is a perfectly good reason to time leap. For sure. <laughs> like, not about to be like, mm, you could have saved that for something better. Like, no, you were going to die. Like, that's a, a great time to time leap. So after that, one of the first reasons that she time leaps is because she's a chronic oversleeper. <laughs> um, so around the room, would you use a time leap to not be late for things? Uh probably like i always loved the concept of like clock stoppers even though it's not a very good movie but i was just like oh you have a watch and you can stop time and like isn't that cool but also you age faster when you do it so like ah risk versus reward that's not as much of an issue here it's more like a finite amount of time jumping but 
No, I totally, I totally would. Like, isn't that just like the most convenient thing? It's like how, like, what superpower do you want? Like super speed or like teleporting? That's like a manner of like manipulating time in itself. It's so convenient. Like the practical purposes are abound. That is true. In the beginning, she de- she thinks she can do it as much as she wants. So in, if I was of that mentality, yeah, I would use it to not be late. Mm-hmm. But if I knew I had X amount of times to time leap, I would not be using it for that. I would be saving it and using it like sparingly throughout my entire life. Well, yeah. You really got to consider, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yes. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. If I could do it endlessly, I would be very reckless about oh, it. Oh, definitely. Um, but if I, once I figured out like, oh, there's, there's a limit to this, I would definitely be more sparing about it. What I also find really interesting is that this movie came out the same year as the Adam Sandler film Click. Oh. Which, <laughs> it, which is also playing with a similar premise. Um, I think that this one handles that a little bit better but i do quite like click a lot um it's one of those movies where it's like this movie's stupid and then all of a sudden it gets very emotional and you're like what the fuck i thought this was gonna be an adam sandler movie oh yeah adam sandler totally bamboozles you into like fucking crying in that movie by just thinking oh it's a silly movie where he farts in david hasselhoff's face no (laughs) no No, there are consequences to time jumping darker in that movie (laughs) yeah um so I, that like that's a, a really weird parallel, kind of like a chicken egg situation. I know that this is based on a book that's from way before. So click obviously like like this is not being made because Adam Sandler made a remote control time stopping movie. Like that's <laughs> not a thing. Um, but it's really weird that they came out of the same year. Just a, a like a very odd coincidence in my opinion. Um, so honestly, though, I probably would waste a time a time leap on like being on time because I'm neurotic about being late to things. You're going to burn through all of your leaps so quickly. Maybe not though, because I'm not a chronic oversleeper and I am on time. No, you'll just burn them for neurotic, simple reasons because it wasn't precise. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I would. (laughs) I would do that. Um, So then second time leap is, well, I should say after she doesn't oversleep, that has a butterfly effect for something like the test that she takes in school, like the mini test. And she does a lot better on the test. Um, And that also means that she doesn't set fire. Like we definitely skipped over the fact that before she time leaps, she has the worst day ever. (laughs) Like before she even like is about to die, her day is already shit and shot Uh to shit. Um, But she causes like a fire in like, what I guess is like cooking class or home ec. Yeah, like a home ec. Yeah, like home ec. Um, just a lot of, she gets hit by somebody who's doing like, I can't think of the actual name for it because my brain just wants to do the Cesaro swing, which is a wrestling uh, move. Just, just a giant swing. It's just a giant swing. Yep. Yeah. And she gets, you know, taken out by the dude because <laughs> he lets go. Um, so she's having a bad day. So by not oversleeping, that has a ripple effect to where she does better on the test. There's still an incident in the in the cla- in the cooking class, but it's not her. Yeah, she switches with them. She switches with somebody, and I think that is a really really interesting thing to dissect. Is that like she's not the one who starts a fire in home ec, but somebody else does, and like that causes a ripple effect for that person. Butterfly effect stuff kind of freaks me out. If I'm gonna be real, how do either of you feel about like the entire philosophy behind the butterfly effect? Listen, butter's gonna fly. I need to time leap. <laughs> I'm going to do my thing. 
I mean, like, I, don't, I guess this is like, is it's the fear of fate. And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily think fates happen. Like, you don't do something and then something else will happen. And, you know, you can trace everything back to a single moment, sure. But I also, in this world, I'll believe that, like, someone was destined to burn their hand doing, like, tempura shrimp. And it was going to play out. And, well, at least it's not me, I guess, you know? Like, sorry it happens to this kid, but, like, uh, I mean, if it was going to happen, oops. I think it's that the oil was too hot. So if she had, instead of switching groups, just turned down the heat, I think that all could have been avoided. At least that's that's what I think it is. I think it's that the oil was too hot. That would make sense. Yeah. And then, oh, God, like a head of lettuce goes flying in there. And since lettuce is like 90% moisture, it just creates a giant (laughs) fire. Yeah. It starts a straight up grease fire. And like, I I like that this is also an example. You're totally right, Nase. That, like, the oil was too hot. Like, this could have been prevented had you turned the oil down. And there's a lot of things like this where she, you know, uses the time leap to change something. Where in reality, like, you could have just made a better choice in this situation. You did not need to, like, swap with somebody. Like, a responsible choice of, like, oh, maybe, I don't know, don't oversleep. Go to bed earlier if you have an important test that day as, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole thing. And I, like... I really like that they do have the swap of the character. I do not know that character's name. I don't think uh, he has a name. Okay, he probably he probably doesn't like the credits, but we don't know his name. Um, because the uh, like the butterfly effect that follows him is that because of that fire, he gets like mercilessly bullied, and that in turn has you know an effect on her and her friend groups. After all, the kid is just getting humiliated for like days on end and then finally like he kind of snaps and uses a fire extinguisher to like put out his bullies and then when it runs out he then throws said fire extinguisher Mm -hmm. and that causes a whole mess of trouble yeah i don't like it's because the the, it's it's japan and not america where we have you know, everyone can get their hand on a gun real easily, but he is totally having like an active shooter moment. Oh, definitely. With a fire extinguisher. And then when it runs out, he goes to throw it at a girl going like, this is your fault. You did this to me because you swapped. And it's like the most like almost ghost of Christmas past kind of way of being like, this is the consequence of your actions. Yeah, because I feel like from his point of view, like he doesn't know about time leaping. Like in his head, it really isn't her fault. He's the one that caused the fire in his worldview. The switch doesn't make much sense. I mean, I guess it does, but like, it, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think it makes that much sense for him to blame her as much mm-hmm. as he does. I think that's more for us, the viewers, to be like, ah, look, consequences. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but also, she time leaps again in that moment when he throws the fire extinguisher at Makoto. Chiaki, because he's hot and brave, comes to like <laughs> block it. With his head. With his head. <laughs> and she's like, none of that. So she time leaps again to move Chiaki out of the way, and that's why it hits you know, the other girl. I remember her name. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, you're right. Because when she knocks Chiaki out of the way, the fire extinguisher hits the building first and then ricochets and then just owns this girl on the shoulder. And it is like very intense. And everyone is just kind of like, why did no one run out of the way? Like, that's my first question. Everyone just kind of stood there and was like, ah, and then it boom hit. Fight, flight, or freeze, that entire school is a bunch of freeze people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But then, like, she's at, like, what is essentially, I guess, the nurse, and the nurse is like, stop crying. It's not that bad. Yes. While she just puts a Band-Aid on her and calls it a day. Yeah, it hit her. 
she slammed to the ground and stayed there. <laughs> and then her sister's like, you're fine, shut up. <laughs> yeah, this gauze will really help that internal bleeding and bruising you have. Oh, God, it's like, it's the most, like, I'm not qualified to deal with this. This is for an actual doctor to manage, but we, the, what, we what, this is what we've got on hand. It's fine. <laughs> Rub some dirt in it. I was like, <laughs> like, in American schools, it would be like, here's an ice pack. Go back to math class. Because, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, take a salt tablet. What the fuck is a salt tablet? Oh, that, that's an old man thing of like, oh, you get wounded, you take a salt tablet. Uh, it's, it's like an old sports thing. Sure. I've never, I've never heard of this. Well, I guess I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> is it just like, is it just a like, block of like salt? salt? Let me look it up. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to just do that real quick. All right. I feel like that would work on horses, but not children. <laughs> Taking a salt tablet, according to Google, is... Electrolytes, sodium, and chloride are the key ingredients in the table of salt and insult tablets. They've been used for many years to treat heat cramps and restore electrolytes lost through sweating. Drink some Gatorade and shut up. Basically, yes. <laughs> oh my god. That's so wild to me to think about. Yeah, but it's like, oh hey, like I'm hurt, and it's like, take a salt tablet, it'll be fine. That really is Gatorade and walk it off. Like, yeah. God, we have such a terrible system in this country for dealing with health and injuries. My God. <laughs> Breaks your heart, doesn't it? Take a salt tablet. So, yes, we, we do have Chiaki being, like, hot and brave. Because is this, do we know? Yes, we do know at this point. Chiaki has a crush on her. Yes. Um, and she, how many times does she time leap to prevent this conversation from happening? A, a good amount. Of it times. feels like 7,000. Um, she, she's on a bike ride home with Chiaki and Chiaki finally confesses like, why don't we go out? Cause they're talking about their friend getting a girlfriend. And, um, rather than have a conversation with her friend, she time leaps an ass load of times to prevent the conversation from happening and tries a lot of different tactics. Like she tries to misdirect to her sister. That's her go-to whenever she wants to change the subject is man, my little sister's dumb, right? <laughs> and her little sister's very kind. No, she <laughs> ate her pudding. She yeah. ate her pudding once and that was it. <laughs> but the other thing too, though, like I don't know if like how to even tackle this. This movie is like very casual with death and with suicide yes. because we know that the only way she can time leap is to like literally leap. So at one point she's gonna jump out of her window and her sister sees it and is basically like, I'm so sorry. This is my fault. Like thinking her sister's about to kill herself because she ate pudding. <laughs> like, ah, and it's just like, here it is. Here's the scene. And she's like, no, I'm not. No. And I'm not mad at you. It's fine. And then she walks away and her poor little sister is just like, okay, but I'm really sorry. <laughs> poor baby. She's like barely in this movie and she's just traumatized and apologizing the whole fucking time. <laughs> but yeah, so, so she doesn't want to have the conversation with Chiaki and, you know, avoids it, tries to change tactics, eventually finally is just like, I'm going to peace out and walk home and not go with you to avoid this conversation, which then is like so out of character for her. So her friends are good because they're good friends. They're like, the fuck is wrong with her? Like, what's happening? This isn't like her. And I think that that's like, I think that's just such good like friend representation because they're not just like, huh, that's weird and move on with it. They're legitimately concerned about her. Yeah, and I do love that we have these moments where, like, I think the, the love is obviously like the characters don't necessarily have the best concept of like, oh, time leaping. And I think we sort of forget about it 
where we go like which which part in the timeline are we right now like how far back did we go and like little bits slip out where it's like oh aren't you going to talk to your girlfriend it's like what are you talking about yeah or like hey are you doing x thing and i i kind of love like the casual sloppiness of that because it 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 almost feels like this is just like a mild facet of life. This is just, this is the, a slice of life that we just have kind of come to expect and it's normal, but also it's not normal, only normal for Makoto. Definitely. And it mirrors our experience too. Cause like, like you said, like at certain points of it, we're never a hundred percent sure of where we are in the day, you know, uh-huh. until something happens that we're like, Oh, okay. That orients us. But yeah, so I do love that. She's also like, where and when the fuck am I? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's big. Like, teen girl energy just 24 7 even if you can't time leap true um so i did find this article on polygon from Kambole campbell and the it's titled time travel catharsis and mamaru husada's animated worlds um and this is kind of an analysis of both the girl who leapt through time and husada's film from 2018 mirai um but there's a part in this that i i quite like while it's pretty high concept, the stakes remain low for the most part as Makoto mainly uses time travel to pursue fairly trivial matters. Whether it's getting a quiz right at school or giving herself the ability to perform 10 hours of karaoke, plus any other decadence that being a teenager can think of. Being more of a young adult story, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time is perhaps more regretful in tone, contemplating what things might be like if you had the power to enjoy the simpler days of your life. Makoto spends her time amplifying the good and sidestepping the bad, granted the freedom to overcome the constant dissatisfaction and self-doubt that comes with being a teenager. How does that resonate with y'all? Well said. No notes. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know what I was doing as a teenager. So, like, yeah. Like, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but, like, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree completely. And the writer has another part that, again, agree with no notes. Up until the final stretch of the film, Makoto stepping over other people to make herself feel more exceptional. She prioritizes her feelings, which is fine to an extent, but it soon becomes neglectful and damaging. At one point, her aunt pointedly asks, don't you wonder if anyone is suffering for your good fortune? The film suggests that seeking an easier life at all costs can be an isolated and selfish way to live, and Makoto learns that sharing your heart with other people can be painful. When the truth about her power is revealed, the film begins to look outward at the lives of others, and the moment that she realizes that her powers involve more than just her own worries is punctuated by a montage of people we don't know just going about their business. So my question for the two of you is, and this is kind of a loaded question, how often throughout your day, and you can speak on this either like through your teenage self or as now, do you think about just the lives of other people? Teenage me zero times a day. Me now like a lot because that idea of think of putting others before yourself and thinking about everyone else around you as you go about your day is very ingrained in Japanese society. And so when you're living there, that is taught to you very quickly so you'll see things like here in like america if your kid is being unruly and someone says something you're like you leave my kid the fuck alone how dare you blah 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 very much me and my kid us mm-hmm. whereas in japan if the kid's being unruly you don't have to say something mom's gonna be like oh my god get move the kid out the way. you cannot you can't do that there's other people around like this hyper awareness of everyone else and what they're thinking which obviously is a double-edged sword on one end yeah 
you're considering other people, you're stepping out of the way. If you're having a phone conversation, you know, stuff like that, making sure that everyone else is also like accommodated. But then of course, there's the double edged side of that where it's selfless to the point where you're not even thinking about you or your kid in this example specifically. So yeah, definitely before living in Japan, I thought about people no times (laughs) ever. (laughs) I didn't even know other people were on this planet. This is my world. You're all just living in it. And then definitely living in Japan. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is probably, I should take a a pinch of this in my life moving Mm -hmm. forward. (laughs) Yeah. And one thing that I really, really, um, that I found very interesting, like over the last, we'll say, 18 months is the idea of masks and how in a lot of countries like Japan, people just wear masks routinely in general um, because it's like, oh, well, maybe I have a cold and I don't want to spread it to other people. Hey, that that wild out there concept. But Americans are so not in favor of that, where I where I think we're an extremely self-centered country. So I think it's really interesting that this is a very popular movie here when culturally we, we we're in the first half of this movie. Yeah. Like, we, ne- we never really get to the second half unless we actively try to, like, grow up and get there. Yeah. But, like, that's an individual basis, not, like, as a large scale of a country. Well, I think the argument could also be made, though, is that the people who would gravitate towards this movie and would be a fan of it are likely the people that do recognize that America is kind of fucked and this is almost like aspirational, like, ah, oh, wouldn't it be nice to live in a world <laughs> where people actually gave a single flying fuck about another human being? Um, I've always been very hyper aware of other people. I, I, I genuinely think that it be, is because I did pageants as a kid. And with that comes requirements for community service which meant that we had to do something and my ass was not about to pick up garbage on the side of the road. So I would do things like go visit retirement homes and like just sit and talk with people or work at food banks and like feed people and like do things that got me involved with my community. And obviously to some extent there is like always that lingering of like white saviorism that is innate in any form of like charity act. But also I'm very thankful that those are the experiences that I had as a kid because to an extent I cared about people so much and I was constantly thinking about other people's feelings, but also that has been to a detriment for myself that I absolutely am one of those like empathetic people who absorbs other people's traumas, which is good for some of the work that I've done in my life, but also like I don't take enough time to reset and I burn out a lot. Um, so that is, you know, again, adding it to the list. That's another thing I talk about in therapy, friends. I know someone out there is keeping a list of all the things that I've said on the show is why I'm in therapy. <laughs> no, but I, I, I totally understand that. And I think, I think I'm somewhere in like the middle of, 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 of this teen experience where I was definitely not doing like charitable work to your extent because that there was there was really no infrastructure for that where I was from and also my family very much looked down on like oh helping out in a soup kitchen that's something that you are like kind of forced to do if you want to do something nice around Christmas because we should because we're Christians and that was that was kind of the extent of us helping people it was this obligation but I I think I like actively went out of my way to listen to like my friends talk about their problems because no one else did but also I did it at the detriment of like Oh my God, I know everyone's secrets and I have this responsibility of not ruining their lives and not accidentally letting something slip. And I don't want to be that responsible, but now I have all of it. 
And so I think that's where I was as a teen in terms of like my consciousness towards other people. It was pretty much like I care about the people in like my life, but not not in like a broader sense than that. I can see that. And that's also kind of what Makoto's dealing with in here is because she's done all these time time leaps. She's gathered information that other people don't know they've given her. And it, you know, frequently pops out like we were talking about earlier of like, oh, your girlfriend or whatever. But it's also like, I know that you like this person and I know that this person only likes you because of this other thing you've told me. And it's just like there's like a burden to having to keep track of what information that you have, um, which I, I find that to be very interesting as well. I would be so bad at time leaping because I would never know what I'm supposed to know and what I'm not. I would just play dumb on everything. I'd be like, nope, I don't know anything about anyone at all and wait for them to tell it to me again. <laughs> so you had mentioned that when you were living in Japan that you were you were there for school and I have never gone to a school that's not American. So I'm very curious, like, what is the schooling system really like over there? Because I think over here we're t- taught like this militant blah kind of thing and I don't think people actually know what it's like to go to school in Japan. So I went to four years of university there. Um, and so they have a saying in Japan that university is the vacation of life. So your university years are like chill as fuck. Ain't nobody going to class. Like very, very easy. <laughs> and so when we hear that like very militant style of like 40 million tests every day, that's more elementary through high school particularly middle school and high school because when you go through middle school you have to like take entrance exams to apply to a high school so it's like the college application process but for high school so they do that once go through whatever stupid difficult high school and then do it again to get into a good university so definitely my I feel like my I'm cheating I've got the easiest experience possible of, (laughs) of what's there but um it was definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting um, for the viewers who haven't seen me. I am black. I'm visibly black. <laughs> and so it's very interesting to see how the other students respond to you and what they expect of you. They do not expect foreigners to know how to speak Japanese, specifically darker skinned foreigners, which is mm-hmm. funny because in my experience, it's always the opposite because they have that expectation. Every black girl I've met in Japan is like stupid fluent. And then all the white dudes are like, I don't know, konnichiwa maybe. And... <laughs> They get by fine. Like, they're having a great time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I took a lot of my classes, like, in Japanese, meaning that I was the only foreign student there. Or it would be, like, me and I had a half-Thai, half-Japanese friend. I still have that friend. Hi, Ami. And so we would take a lot of classes together, and we would just stick together throughout, through it because Japanese people are very clicky. And when you're the foreigner, you are very, you're very obviously the outsider. So there's uh-huh. no real initiative or incentive for anyone to bring you in. It's like, no, this is... That girl's outside. So it was definitely like a very outsider looking in perspective on everything that was happening. Because when you're in the Japanese classroom, they're not considering you. And I don't mean it in a bad way or a good way. They're just like not, they're not thinking like, oh, Nase over there, we got to explain this to her. It's just like, this is a, now a Japanese space and you just happen to be here. Mm-hmm. So being in those classroom settings and seeing the things that would get spoken about, the way they would treat certain other students, um, the way they would talk about things was super interesting and kind of like... I felt like I had this, like, insider knowledge all of a sudden. Um, But, like, to bring it to the film, again, I've never been in Japanese, like, middle or high school. But from what I've heard from Japanese friends, 
Bullying in Japan is unlike anything I've ever heard of before in my entire life. It's insane there. <laughs> okay. Oh, so? <laughs> so, like, in the film where we have them, like, dumping food on the kid's head and, um, what else? They sprayed him with the water hose. Mm-hmm. That, that tracks. That's not exaggerated. That's not, like, this movie, you know, trying to bring out all the stops for dramatic conflict. Mm-hmm. It's just very much in the realm of possibility in Japan, whereas in the States, I, I don't want to speak for everywhere. But I feel like most schools, there'd be at least be one teacher that gets involved and is like, you cannot spray this child with water. You mm-hmm. have to stop. Go to the principal's office. Even though, of course, like usually the teacher getting involved doesn't help much. At least the teacher's trying. There, it's very much like once the kids decide this is the kid we're bullying, the teachers are like, listen, I don't want to get bullied either, so you're on your fucking own. And that just is what it is. Like, they bully teachers? Apparently. I oh mean, I don't know, this is secondhand knowledge. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt tablet. Take it with a grain of salt tablet. <laughs> Drink some Gatorade. Walk it off. No, that's really interesting. And I think, too, so many people... There's been, like, a big... I, I'm obsessed with TikTok, and I'm so sorry that I talk about it so much on the show. But <laughs> like, that's your in into the teen world. That's my in into the teen world. But there has been this big thing recently where a lot of people... Uh, who are either from Japan or live in Japan, like live in Japan now or have, you know, emigrated. And they talk about the weird ways that Americans romanticize Japan because of things like anime and, you know, just weebs being weebs. And their big thing is they're like, hey, we also have a lot of like systemic issues. The only difference is they're not as publicly known as like American systemic issues because, America is sort of this like view of pop culture and this view of like, so, you know, everybody is watching us at all times. Um, Americans are very insular in the sense that we don't give a fuck about any other country. So we don't know what's going on over there, but everyone in the world knows about like police brutality and not having health care and gerrymandered voting. Like the other countries know that about us. But we don't know all of the other like intricacies of other cultures. So that's why so many people are like, fuck this election. I'm moving to Finland or like, I hate this. I'm moving to Japan. And it's like, but you don't know what's really going on over there. You have this like very idealized look. And I think that it's really, really important for all of us just to have a better global understanding is that we can't just look at other countries and be like, oh my gosh, Italy, it's so great. The food is amazing. And it's like, yeah, also it's a racist fucking country. Like... These are things that we need. We need to be able to hold those truths at the same time. And I I think this movie does kind of allow for that because there are aspects of this that are very cool and very romanticized, very fantasy based. But then there are also aspects that are like, hey, but life is really fucking hard. And you need to be able to know that both of those things are happening. And I love that about this movie. So something else in this article that I wanted to bring up is, which is kind of like the central conceit of the entire movie, is something that. Um, her aunt says, which is time itself doesn't go back. It was you who went back. And I, I guess this is kind of like a big brain sort of analysis, but like, what does that mean to either of you? I think it's really like playing into that whole thing. Time waits for no one. So this whole film, her entire life is run by time and it doesn't stop. You can wake up late. You can wake up early. But the time you're supposed to be awake to get to school, the time that school starts is always the same. The time that train is going to run by is always the same. The time that you are given that test is always the same. Time is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Do not even try. So when we have this whole idea of time leaping, it's very much sticking with that rule. Time is set in stone. 
So for anything to change, it has to be you. It can't be time that changes. Yeah, and I I kind of think of it as like a train, which is like time is a train on tracks and like it can't just like pull a left and just go off into some trees. Like, no, it's it's stuck to those tracks. I mean, I guess it can it can go off those tracks and derail itself. It'll be terrible. But at the end of the day, like, hey, if you don't want to get hit by a train, don't be in front of a train. Like, it's not going to come for you. Like, that's, that's just how time works. Just get out of the way if you want to avoid a bad situation like that. And I, I think that's kind of like you taking control over yourself rather than like blaming time in certain aspects. And also like fucking fix your brakes. I was just going to say that. Get your brakes fixed, <laughs> Yeah, just girl. like instead of just being like, um, actually, it's like 50,000 yen if you want to borrow my bike. It's like, dude, just fix your brakes. Get your brakes fixed. <laughs> and, and everyone can use the bike and not die. <laughs> Something that I I kept thinking about, and it's just because my brain is broken in this way now after watching The Good Place, is the idea of like Jeremy Bear Me, um, which is like a joke in The Good Place, but it's the idea that time is not linear. Um, Jeremy Bear Me is the fact that like it looks like cursive and it's constantly looping and sometimes it goes back on itself, but it's always moving in that same pattern. It just might feel like it's not in a straight line. It feels cursive. And then there's, you know, the the one dot in Barami, like the eye, and like sometimes big things happen and sometimes nothing at all. Um, and like, it's such a weird and absurdist way to think about time. But I, I tend to follow that philosophy and that like time is constantly moving, but sometimes it may feel like it's not going linear. Sometimes it might feel like it's coming back on itself. And in a way, that's like our own version of of time leaping. Um, so ultimately, when, you know, talking about this movie and kind of wrapping things up, um, we find out that Chiaki is also a time leaper and also has the ability to freeze time, which like, I feel like that's the, the I would want that more because I'm more Definitely. of an anticipatory person than like a let me go back and fix it. Um, so being able to freeze time, like if I had the clock stopper or the click remote, like that would be. That'd be the jammy jam. That's what I would like abuse the shit out of for sure. Um, But we find out Chiaki is not only somebody who can time leap, but also is from the future because we have to have like nonsense sci-fi fantasy anime bullshit (laughs) at some point. And here it is. It's all Chiaki. Um, But then like this movie gets like kind of heartbreaking because of it. Okay, but like when time stopped, I was filled with so much dread because I wasn't sure it was going to start again. Because also, I don't know how the rules of time in this in this universe works. But also, it felt like um, the, the the finale of Futurama, where Fry and Leela just get stuck in frozen time basically forever. And like in that sense, it was really romantic. But I'm like, oh no, this doesn't feel romantic. This feels terrible. And like the world is ending and people are vanishing. And oh, I don't feel good. <laughs> Yeah, I so the reason that time freezes is because she's loaned her bike out to her friend and her friend's a new girlfriend, but she has shitty brakes, as we discussed earlier. And again, rather than go time leap and fix her goddamn brakes, she's then just chasing them down like a downhill slope where they cannot stop and they're going to get hit by this train. And then she gets hit by a shoe that falls off and just tumbles down the road and gets all beat the fuck up. And she is crying and it is so traumatic. And then time stops and she looks fine. And Chiaki's basically like, what's up? I can also do this. I'm from the future. Don't worry. They're alive. Uh, I stopped it by going back in time. Uh, and 
you know, she finds out like that he used his last one to do that. And she's like, but oh my God, like, how could you have done that? And his response to her is because a friend of mine was crying and blaming herself. And that like gut me like a knife. <laughs> like it hurt me so bad because it's like, you know, we're dealing with people who have limited ability to time jump. And we know that he, we now know that he's not from this time period. And he gave up the ability to like do that last time jump to protect her feelings and like make her not feel bad because she clearly got a hold of something she was not prepared to use. And Jackie's a good bean. He's such a good boy. Absolutely. And like, I guess, okay, I'm bringing it more to like towards the end of the film now. One thing that I absolutely love the way this ended is with Chiaki saying that he'll wait for her in the future. And I love that so much because that is such a trope in, in anime. And it's always the girl being like, I'll wait for you. And like her little itty bitty like breathy voice. <laughs> and the dude has to go off and like fight demons and save the world. Meanwhile, girlfriend is just sitting at home twiddling her fucking thumbs being like, I'm just waiting for fucking Ichigo whoever the fuck because he's so cool and I'm just gonna say here and I hate that so much why can't she do something because she's a woman but in this film it's the complete inverse and it is not asking anyone to just sit around and twiddle their thumbs waiting for the other it's Chiaki's gonna go back to the future and do whatever the fuck he'd be doing in the future and then Makoto's gonna stay in her present time go to school do whatever she's gotta do and it's just this idea that we're both gonna go off and live our separate lives but not needing to be so sad because this isn't a death. We are, are going to see each other again at some point in the future and we can take like comfort in that instead of, so it's like completely breaking down this like very classic anime moment and bringing it into something much more wholesome <laughs> and gender equal. And something that I'm thinking about right now is because of like how time works. This also means that like, you know, he's going to go to his timeline, to his era. She's going to be there. Because he's in the future, like he's ahead of things. But what that means is that like, so he'll show up and then boom, she's there. But she'll have lived like this whole life because we have no idea how different in the time era is. Like, we don't know if it's two years from now or if it's 200 years from now. Like, we have no idea. Um, But like, she'll have all of that time to like live her life, do what she wants to do. And then like meet up with him which I th- like in a weird way brings me so much comfort where like he's not going to have to wait around because it's the future. Yeah. She'll be there. Um, but she's going to get to have all of those opportunities. So by the time she does get to him, like she's lived that life. And yeah. like it's not it's not a matter of like, oh, my life was unfulfilled until I was reunited with you or anything. Like she's going to have a fulfilling life and they're just going to meet up. And like that's really cool to me. And then also in the film, like the seat, like before this time leaping thing, she had no real plan. She was not doing well in school. She didn't give a fuck. But already like throughout the film, you see that there's like ideas being planted in her head of more. So at one point she's like, you know what? I think I'm going to study abroad. Mm-hmm. So then it's it's kind of alluding to the fact that, like you said, they are going to reunite one day. And in between all that, she'll get to do all this crazy cool stuff because now her mind is kind of been more open to the world. Maybe she'll study abroad. She'll do this. Maybe she'll be like her cool witch aunt who is cool as fuck the whole movie. So serene, so knowledgeable. Maybe she'll just be the most chill, like peach eating museum <laughs> restoration person. Or maybe she'll be a hotel tycoon or an oil tycoon. She did say that. <laughs> Some sort of tycoon. And another thing that I find really interesting, too, is that, you know, we talk at the beginning that it's just like the three of them and like that's their group, that's their crew, that's who they are. 
And then at the end of it, you know, she makes the decision like, hey, there's these three girls who have been kind of on the sidelines for the whole movie. I love them. I'm obsessed with them. They have great physical comedy because they're always doing some nonsense. (laughs) And she finally is like, hey, let's invite them to play baseball with us. It's more fun with more people. Yeah. And it's like, oh, look at her growth. And look at her like there's also something to be said about the quote unquote, not like most girls girl inviting girls and like very feminine girls who were like doing astrology charts and like (laughs) being very girly throughout the whole movie and her being like let's let's join them they can come play baseball even though they're really bad at baseball they were very they were very bad but they're so they're they're trying and like yeah it's very very sweet and i i quite like that um and i in thinking about her you know maybe i'm gonna study abroad what made you want to study abroad I'm just a crazy person. There's no reason. <laughs> no, like when I was, I started writing scripts in high school and because I was like so influenced by anime, it was very much um, like they weren't animated scripts. Like they were scripts for like alive people to do. <laughs> but um, just definitely the types of stories I was telling was like very like high concept fantasy that was very in line with like what was happening in anime. So I was like, okay, well, clearly my audience is Japan. So I, um, I was like, let me just move to Japan and become a filmmaker there. And then I moved there and I was like, no thanks. So then I just kept moving around. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome though. I, I've only ever gotten to like travel for baton to go other places. I've never gotten to like live anywhere outside the States, but like kudos on doing that. That's like so many people talk about like, oh, I wish I could. And like you actually did it and that's fucking awesome. So, like, congratulations to you. Thanks. <laughs> University in Japan is way cheaper than in the States. So if there are any younger listeners thinking about it, like, go for it. It, it ends up – your whole life over there ends up being cheaper because you're not leaving with a stupid amount of um, – what is it called? Educational debt? What is that called? Like student loan debt. Student loan debt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm foreign. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, like, it balances out for sure. Wonderful. Does anyone else have any last thoughts that they'd like to talk about with the girl who left through time? I've never left the country because I've never had the money to leave the country. So I just think that that's cool. Please donate to the Patreon account. (laughs) 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 So Harmony can get out the country. I mean, people have been like, not even Canada. And I was like, no. And they're like, you could have driven there. I'm like, no, Lake Erie was in the way. I'd have to go around. (laughs) Why would you even fucking go to Canada? Go somewhere, go somewhere wild because everyone's going to get to the Patreon. Yeah. Canada's like not really leaving the country. It's just like, oh, it's the U.S.'s hat, which I'm sure Canadians find disrespectful. (laughs) But like, it's really not that different culturally. Yeah, definitely. If anything, you got to drive down and go to Mexico. That would at least be more fun, I feel like. I mean, we're pretty close to Mexico now. That might be an option. That's true. Just a day trip to Mexico. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I get a passport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Harmony, the time has come. The girl who leapt through time is asking you to the prom. Is that a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the timed tattoo on your arm back? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm going to give this a yes. And if I had to write a note, it's like, be more responsible. Don't wait until your brakes go out to fix your brakes. Whether that be your car or your bike, just just always make sure your brakes are good. Right, BJ? Yes, always make sure your brakes are good because otherwise bad things happen. Otherwise, you're driving around with bad brakes for several years just going, why does it make that noise until your brakes get stuck? <laughs> to be fair, 
I had a mechanic look at them and they're like, that's just a thing that happens with these cars. And I was an idiot and was like, okay. And then the reality was I was absolutely driving on brakes that were slowly disintegrating for like seven years because I'm an idiot. For anybody who doesn't understand like the regions of like the Midwest, the reason for that is because the salt was making them get stuck. And uh, that's very common up there. So the mechanic was probably just like, yeah, no, that just happens. And now we're somewhere where like that doesn't just happen. (laughs) Yeah. So like a California mechanic was like, you're dumb as fuck. Like your brakes are rotting. And it's like, oh, okay. So yes, uh, I Harmony could have died on the highway with bad brakes. It's fine. No one's dead. So it's funny. And we're allowed to laugh about it. I did not go flying in front of a train. (laughs) Responsible. (laughs) Movies and car tips. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're here for, really. This is, it's a movie podcast. We're giving life advice. Like we're, we're going good. (laughs) So Nase, if people want to follow your work or learn more about you, where can they find you on the internet? I am Nase DeSanders on literally everything. I keep it nice and simple. Follow me on the Instagrams on the Twitters, on uh, mostly those two things. And then I also have a website, which is also nasedesanders.com. Beautiful. <laughs> if you want to support the show, we do have our Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where would you like people to find you? I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And thank you, as always, to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use Title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool indie band would you like people to check out this week? I have a very cool release that I, you know, I always try to find something that sort of fits the vibe. Anyway, I want to shout out an album called The Precure Album by Kemoy. I I think it's Kemoy, like K-M-O-Y. I'm guessing that's how it's pronounced. I've only ever read it, not heard it. Anyway, it's a, a, it's a power pop and pop punk and sort of ska and sort of like anime theme song concept album about a magical girl princess and it's really tight and i recommend everyone listen to it it's super duper fun all righty friends well that takes us out on this week's episode we will see you next time and as always save that last dance for us Bye. bye bye And stuff too. Um. Will I add clips? I'll add clips that no, oh, all yeah, people no, won't be able to listen Japanese, to. Yeah, that's, that's really <laughs> I mean, for fairness, I can add them. Add clips with subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> Go on the website for the subtitles. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.